I am recording today's sermon from home because I finally got COVID. I'm finally catching up with most of you. I am doing fine and recovering well, and I look forward to leaving this room and re-entering uh, society. But for now, I'm grateful that we can be together in this way. So on to the sermon. Now, first I'm gonna tell you about the sermon that I'm not preaching this morning. God speaks clearly and directly to us. And if we aren't hearing God's voice, it's because we aren't doing something right. And that sermon you aren't gonna hear, I would admonish you to pay attention, uh, pray more, listen more carefully, and you too can hear the voice of God. <clears throat> but no, you aren't going to hear that sermon today because I've never clearly directly heard the unmediated voice of God. I've heard from God secondhand, through the Bible, through the voices of others, but never as far as I can tell, a voice from God's lips directly. And unless you've been holding out on me, most of you haven't either. And we're in good company. Lots of people haven't. Mother Teresa, for example, and John Buchanan, Yes, former Broad Street pastor, now retired, an exemplary faith leader, if ever there was one. Here are his own words describing how he became a pastor. Quote, people often wanna know how we get into this business. The question comes persistently over the years, just how did you become a minister? How did you know? The assumption is that something must have happened. There must have been a singular experience a voice, perhaps in the middle of the night, an emotional upheaval, a vision. I know people who could tell in great detail the story of their call by God. I confess I envied them. I confess that nothing like that happened to me. Buchanan continues, when I decided on the advice of a college professor to take a post-grad year at the Divinity School of the University of Chicago to study and read and pursue the big questions, I was not sure where it would lead. Teaching, most likely. Divinity school, I objected. That's like seminary, isn't it? I don't want to be a minister. Oh, don't worry about that, the professor said. They don't care about that in divinity school, which turned out not to be exactly true. He continues, our minister at the time got word of what I was up to and contacted me. I know you don't want to be a minister, he said, but on the remote outside chance that you might someday change your mind, I think you ought to come under care of the presbytery. I had no idea what that meant, but it sounded like a slippery slope. He assured me it was no big deal. We'll just take you to a meeting, the ministers and elders of the Presbyterian church in the area, and we'll ask you some questions and vote and take you under care. And then if you change your mind someday, you will at least be on the way to ordination. Buchanan concludes the story. Quote, so I did it. In the spring of my senior year, I went to a meeting of a small church in the mountains of Western Pennsylvania. To say I was uncomfortable would be a gross understatement. I put on my only suit and tie, and I stood up in front of a group of dignified men in dark suits, and in those days, they were all men. And the first question they asked me was this, 
John, do you, as far as you know, in your own heart, believe yourself to be called to the office of Christian ministry? Now, I knew this question was coming. I told my pastor, I can't say that. And he said, pay attention to that phrase in there. As far as you know your own heart. There's a lot of latitude there. So, for some reason that was not at all clear at the time, I said yes, end quote. I'm so grateful to John Buchanan for sharing this story because that's how most of us try to figure out where God is leading us. We listen to the voices of others. We, we try to be honest about our fears and our longings, about our gifts and limitations, and we tentatively move forward as far as we know our own heart. There's a lot of latitude there. And when it comes to this mysterious territory of listening to God, we need a lot of latitude. Well, it's time to look at today's passage. I mean, surely things were different back in Bible times. Things were clearer. God's communication was more direct. God's work in the world more obvious. Well, this morning's reading begins, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Hmm, that doesn't sound very promising. But our reading introduces us to Eli, a seasoned religious professional. Surely he is an expert in hearing the voice of God. I was a student at seminary in the final years of a long-term president of that institution. And he was tired out, lacking in energy and focus. His best years were behind him. And it was a tumultuous time at the seminary, and it seemed that everyone wanted change. And the best means to that end was to take over the seminary president's office. And during those frequent office takeovers, he walked the halls with his head down, sighing loudly. When I hear this Bible story, that's how I picture Eli. Head bowed, shuffling the halls of the temple, just trying to make it to his official retirement date. The text tells us that Eli has trouble seeing. He needs glasses, but his lack of sight goes deeper than that. He can't see his own failings and the failings of his son. He can't see the future, and he doesn't see the promise of his young protege, Samuel. Eli is phoning it in. His best years, if he had any, are well behind him. This is not promising. The text summarizes the situation in this way. The lamp of the Lord had not yet gone out. Oh, that's a great phrase. The lamp of the Lord has not yet gone out. It's going to go out really soon, but there's still a tiny trace of oil left. Enter Samuel. He's young, eager. We know he's eager because of where he sleeps in the temple. He's inexperienced, yes, but his eyesight is good and his hearing is excellent. Well, one night he hears a voice. Now, the text tells us that it is the voice of the Lord, but Samuel, who, remember, has very good hearing, thinks it is the voice of Eli. The voice of God sounds a lot like the voice of Eli. 
I've been thinking about that quite a bit. Samuel can't tell the difference between the voice of the Lord and the voice of his teacher and mentor. Really? Or maybe, just maybe, this story is suggesting that God speaks to us through other people, sometimes through people whose best days are behind them. The voice of God sounds a lot like the voices of other people. Mary Carr is an American poet and essayist from East Texas, and she's probably best known for her memoir, The Liar's Club. The daughter of agnostics, she never considered going to church. Then one morning, that changed. And this is how she tells the story. My young son came into my room in his little Spider-Man pajamas and said, I want to go to church. And I said darkly, why? And he said, to see if God's there. Which is kind of the only sentence he could have said that would have got me up off my butt from the New York Times and that bagel and into a church. Carr continues, I took my son to church. He was the one who wanted to go. And I sat with a stack of papers and graded them in the back. I had a, had a latte. I'm not even making this up. I brought a latte. I sat in the back and he was in Sunday school and I was just cynically there marking time. And something about the faith of the people, it wasn't the spectacle or the grandeur and the ritual and all of that, but just people saying their prayers, people saying, please pray for my daughter who's having surgery, people bringing hope and terror into a public forum and saying, I'm afraid and I need these things to happen in order to go on, end quote. Mary and her son kept going to church. They still go. She heard the voice of God through her young son and through the voices of that congregation. God does this all the time. The God whose word became flesh uses human beings to get the work done in the words spoken. And so maybe if we wanna know what God is saying, we shouldn't be waiting for the sky to break open and a voice to come to us out of the blue. Maybe we should listen carefully to the voices of, of our friends, our, our partner, our mentor, our colleagues, our children. Maybe we should listen to the voices of poets and novelists and songwriters. Maybe we should listen to the voices of indigenous people we listen to our own lives. We listen to our own heart because that is how and where God summons us. Going back to today's reading, maybe this is a story of God using God's voice to speak directly to Samuel. Or maybe this story captures a more complicated, longer process where Samuel, with help from Eli, catches a glimpse of the next thing God is up to. The same way we figure it out, by, by praying and listening and, and making mistakes and talking to people and finding our way and listening to the voices of others. All I know for certain is that God's voice sounds a lot like Eli's. Tired, old, broken down, best days behind him, Eli.
That's amazing and wonderful. This story gives us hope that we are never too tired, too cynical, too old, too young, too broken, too confused, too anything to play a role in helping someone else hear a word from God and discern what God is up to in the world. That's amazing and wonderful. Amen.